As a life coach, my job is to look at where you are now, see where you want to be and help you pave the road through while being your you know, coach and cheerleader and help you get to your goals. So as a result, our group is goal-driven and you know, moving you towards where you want to manifest. It's not so much I talk about burnout, I give more strategies if you're feeling overwhelmed in your days, tired, procrastination tips. A lot of us feel burnt out because we're, we're engaging in habits like procrastination. It's okay. I always say you can't change the past, but you are the decider of your future and you can make that decision at any moment in time that you're ready to make a change, that you're ready to course correct, that you're ready to get unstuck. And so that becomes really empowering. How do we create the cue that creates the trigger that makes us wake up and exercise, stick with the program, stick to the routine, do the things that are serving us? How do we make these long-term habits stick? So to me, how does it work? I take you through for those four steps and that's how you end up on the other side. This episode of the Kintsugi Podcast is brought to you by Pause, Breathe, Reflect which can help you bring mindfulness to your everyday moments. Hey there, I'm Michael O'Brien, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. Nowadays, it can seem like One needs to live a life that's edgy or intense. One that's filled with absolutes. Do this, not that. In order to live a full life. And I'm air quoting here, the gurus and the experts on the internet will share their advice in such a confident, bold way. Sometimes it feels like they're almost yelling at us as they share their advice. It's their way to get attention in a noisy world. And many people try to follow that way. And all it does is it creates more noise. I much prefer a life that's lived in appreciation for all the gray in our lives. The space between the absolute black and white. Approaching life with discernment and nuance and love. And of course, energy. So we can fully embrace this wonderful gift that we have. Knowing that there isn't just one way. But when we open ourselves up to a healthy mindset and great practices, We can fully embrace life, all the moments. The good ones when we feel joy and happiness. And even the challenging ones where we feel worried or angry. Embracing all that life has to offer. Today, you get to hear from someone who is living life in just this way. With range appreciating the black and white aspects of life and all the different shades of gray. She has this wonderful energy and spirit about her. And I know if you don't know her already, you will love her. So if you're ready, settle into a comfortable position. Take a healthy breath in and a slow releasing breath out and get to know Erica Diamond. Hey, Erica, good to see you. So great to see you and be back. I feel like it's been a minute. (laughs) It really has been a minute. And this might be one of the first times we've actually seen each other. We've never met in person, but our relationship, as you know, started on Clubhouse. So, are you still on Clubhouse? No, I left that platform like over a year ago because I was getting creeped out by it. 
Yeah, it kind of turned into a bit of a cesspool, though. <laughs> it really was. And I was getting concerned that they were recording all the conversations and selling that stuff as data. And there was also just creepy men coming into the space. I'm a big believer if you have a platform, you should try to create as much safety as possible in your platform. I just think that's a responsibility. So I popped off, created my app to give people a brave, safe space that we could control better. So, yeah. So it's good to see you. Like, not just to hear your voice on an audio platform. <laughs> yeah. It's just, even if it's through pixels and ones and zeros. So one day I'm going to get up there to Canada, to Montreal and see you in person. I love that. You saw what was doing outside my window, right? <laughs> yes. It's like the snow is coming. It's pretty cool. The white stuff. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So I do like to start when I chat with someone. I was in Chicago the other day, and I asked two people working the front desk this question. It was early in the morning. So the question is, share one good thing that's happened to you already today, before this moment. So how would you answer that? <laughs> it's a funny thing, but my <laughs> this is so random. It's nine something in the morning where we are, so not much has happened. You know, it's been a regular morning. I had my pleasure-filled cup of coffee, took my son to school. But the great thing that happened is my shower tiles have been cracked. So I have someone here replacing them and I'm going to be able to shower on a beautiful shower floor because my tiles have been cracked and yucky. So I'm very excited to shower. I don't think tonight in that bathroom, but tomorrow. So that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. We cannot underestimate. Home repairs. Home repairs. But the value of like taking a shower in your in your shower, like in the last three days, last four days, I've been away at a hotel and I came into the house. I gave my wife, you know, a hug and a kiss. And then I immediately went upstairs to take a shower. There was something just so caring about that. It felt so good. Yeah. Well said. So I'm glad, I'm glad that's a good thing that's already happened to you today. So we're going to get into the work that you do. But if we took the work you do today and put that off to the side, how would you describe yourself? Who are you? In one word, I think the word, I, I'm just, I'm a passionate, empathetic human being. And on most days, that really serves me. <laughs> and I think that's kind of, not my talent, but it lets me play in my zone of genius. I'm, my chakras are open. I'm open to the world. My heart is very pure and soft. And so I would say just passionate. I, I soak up life. I, I don't tiptoe through life. I really, I take it all in. But again, as I said, I'm an empath. So I absorb, I think, other people's pain. And that is sometimes hard for me. But I'd say that really, sometimes to my demise, who am I? I'm just a passionate woman who has a pretty empathetic heart. I love that. You know, and really like leaning into the gift of life, really living it. I really do. I am a life liver. Yeah, when I see the stuff you're putting out there, it's like, here is a person that's just digging life. I wake up, my glass is half full. I wake up, I sing in the shower. Like people are like, are you really who you are on social media? I'm like, I really am. I love to eat. I love food. I love music. I love a great glass of wine. My biggest self-care exercise is a massage. Like if I could have a massage every, I, I just, I love nature. I love meeting new people. I'm very curious. And I think that all is just, that's passion to me. I love it. Is there a song? like right now, that's getting you going? Because there are four things that I believe are medicine. There's probably more than four, but mindfulness is medicine. Oh, for sure. And I, and I teach that like you. I'm a certified yoga and meditation teacher. And so, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Movement is medicine, so we'll get into that. Yeah. I also believe like what we eat. So I call that the munchies. So, but I'll, I'll save that for later. But in terms of music, since you just mentioned singing in the shower, is there a song? that is getting you going right now? Oh, God. There's a song that comes into my head right now. It'll be, what the world Oh, well, that's a great song. Now yeah. Is love, sweet love. I can't sing, but you get the idea. <laughs> so that song pops into my head. But if I have like a song for my life, like I, I envision just when I hear the Rocky song by Bill Conti, Gonna Fly Now. Yeah. I love that. I've always rooted for the underdog. I love the underdog. I empathize with the underdog and so that song to me is like that i just I love that song that's not, have you ever been to philadelphia 
I have. I have. Have you run up this rocky stuff? No, I didn't. I didn't. I know. I should have. I know. It's actually The Godfather and Rocky are like my two favorite. Well, The Godfather's a trilogy. The Rocky's like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten of them. But I love Rocky is one of my favorite movies. I love it. All right. So here's the thing. The next time you come down to Philadelphia, I'll drive down and we'll do the Rocky steps together. Can we do it? I love it. I'm so in. I'll bring my little Bose speaker and we'll put on the song and we'll run up the stairs and we'll go, we'll scream, Adrian! Adrian! <laughs> well, you got to wear gray, gray sweatshirts and exactly. beanies and stuff like that. All right. So is there something, this is going back to growing up, is there something that your parents used to say that's still with you today? So I'm often asked about my childhood, and and I would like to say that I really consider myself to be so fortunate. I was raised in an abundance of love. My dad was like an astute businessman, and my mom was a therapist. And I think that I made that mix my own business. So I studied psychology and marketing in school. I, I think I, I inherited that from both my parents. And I was an only child, and I was given an abundance of love and exposure. They took me everywhere. You know, I did not grow up in an abundant life financially in my early years of my life, but I never knew that because they had one child and they poured everything into me. So I did the tennis lessons that my friends did. I went to summer camp, but I remember it was the three of us. We used to live in bed together. I would come into their bed in the morning. My father would teach me and expose me to other groups and other people and always reminded me to have an open heart and listen to what other people have to say. And that what we think is only, you know, one idea in the world to be open to bridge. So I live in Quebec and there's sadly this rift between, you know, Anglophones and Francophones. And so he was like, you know, on the committee to bridge. He's like, I understand why we fight here. It's so rich, Quebec. Like we could be, we're like Europe here. Why do we fight? So he was like on the committee to bridge, you know, business Anglophone and Francophone communities. He's a unifier, my dad. And my mom just was just, I mean, they gave me unconditional love. So there wasn't anything they said. It was the way they raised me. They taught me, my mom, a therapist taught me to tune into my body, to sleep when I'm tired, to eat when I'm hungry, to not follow the herd, to be confident in my voice. Like they really raised me. And I always laugh. I speak to my mom. I'm like, whenever I don't know what to do with my boys, I'm like, what would mommy do? Like, what would she say? And I feel really lucky because as a life coach, I've helped thousands of women around the world. And there is a common theme when you grow up. I don't want to say, you know, behind the eight ball or if you grow up with parents who did not nurture your spirit or did not tell you that failure is neither final nor fatal and you can come back from failure and you can be resilient. And when you don't have these messages and when you're the parent who, when a kid brings home a 92, you say, where's the other 8%? We grow up with self-esteem crap and we grow up with resilience, you know, difficulties. We grew up with a lot of SHIT when we've been brought up this way. So I'm really lucky in the sense that I was not brought up with that. I think I was brought up with the right messaging and I'm trying to pass that on to my kids. And that's what I teach in my world. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, so good. Like, what great parents. Like, I know. Where'd they find that playbook? Because like, we need to distribute that around to a few other people. Like, because parenting is can be so hard. But what you just mentioned, Erica, I was at a conference in Chicago, about a thousand people, uh, 97% of them women. And I did some coaching there. They had an opportunity to sit down with some coaches. And that whole notion of like the less than, I'm not enough type of feedback. So what they played back to me was this, I need to hear from my boss what I need to do. Like, what am I not doing? And we tried to shift the conversation around to say, hey, why don't you spend some time talking to the boss about the strengths that you have? Maybe you can make those stronger, right? You don't have to come from a less than, because if you frame it as a less than, that's the scarcity mindset, right? Yeah. So, and, and maybe there's a new skill that you can develop, but that's more advice for the future. Like, you know, learning about AI, that's a skill that I think all of us can learn at this moment. Or perhaps it's advice on how to make a skill that's not as strong as it could be, just a little bit stronger, but it, it frames it with a more of an abundant mindset than that fixed scarcity mindset. So, I love what you just shared. So I am curious, you know, just growing up, what was your relationship like with perfection? 
Oh, so oddly enough, I was never a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, no, no. I was taught to take a risk no matter how imperfect the outcome is. I am not attached to perfection. I'm an early blogger in 2009. And when I would be like in blogging groups, I would speak to other women. They're like, I can't press publish because I'm so attached to everything being perfect. I would publish it with spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes because when I had something I wanted to say, to me, I felt the idea had to be released. And so I'm not, oh, I think perfectionism is, is a real challenge for women. I get it. I get it. It is hard because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. There's so much fear in putting out something that is less than or imperfect. I am not afraid of that. And as a result, for sure, I'm called out on my mistakes or for sure I make errors. There's no question. But again, I'll be like, oh, thanks for pointing that out. You're right. I said this word twice, or you're right. Maybe I should have just taken more time, but I am officially unstuck in this world and I'm not going to go back to being stuck. I feel that if we make a mistake, we can pivot and try again. But to stay stuck, immobilized due to fear of perfection is a really not a fun place to live. So I got no perfectionism issues. I'm the same way. Like, you know, some of my blogs, I'll have a typo and people will point it out. Yeah, like the grammar snobs. <laughs> I, and I said, well, 99.9% .9 of the words were right. I didn't have a typo with 99% of the words. So how do you like those words besides the one typo that you caught? So let's get into the work that you do because you do so much work, mainly with women, right? Am I correct with that? Yeah. Around the topic of self-care, also just trying to prevent or ease burnout when it comes. So if we can spend some time just double-clicking into those two concepts, self-care and burnout, because we hear it a lot. And I think sometimes when we hear things a lot, especially on the internet, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know what that is. But then it's like, do I really know what that is? The irony, the irony of this all is that I teach self-care and the word annoys me. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like I'm a self-care, I don't know, guru, expert, whatever, a specialist, and the word self-care bothers me. But yet that's my word because I don't teach, you know, manicures, spa massages, and, you know, that sort of self-care. I teach deep healing work of self-care, boundaries, non-negotiables, diving deep in our finances to make a plan to pay off debt because living that way is, I mean, these are sometimes tough decisions to make in the moment that don't feel very pleasurable or self-care-like, but they are our short-term pain for our long-term gain so that we can live free and happy, breaking up with a toxic friend, leaving a job that isn't serving you, you know, saying no to too many requests because you're turning into the human pretzel. That is all self-care, asking for help, speaking up, speaking your truth. I mean, these are all, these, these are not manicures. These are deep. This is a big concept. Yeah. It's inside out work. Inside out work, my friend. Inside out work. Yeah. Like all the, all the veneer of like the facial and the mani-pedis and the outfits and all that stuff. That's just, it's really just body armor. Women and men wear just different body armor. And, you know, we, we got to get into the gooey part of the brownies that maybe haven't been really fully baked yet because we haven't done that work. Maybe not as fortunate to have parents like you had to like really set that foundation up. But I just want to say, it's okay. I always say you can't change the past but you are the decider of your future and you can make that decision at any moment in time that you're ready to make a change, that you're ready to course correct, that you're ready to get unstuck. And so that becomes really empowering. And so that's my role is I help these women course correct, pivot, change their lives and live in abundance. How did you get here? Like you mentioned earlier, you sort of combined the best of both worlds from your parents, which is fabulous. Yep. My dad was in sales. Was, my mom was a nurse. So in some ways, I'm doing it in my way, you know, it's similar, it's in the same arena. So how did you come into this calling to do what you do? I would like to say before everything, I really think I'm an entrepreneur and businesswoman first. My entrepreneurial days go back to when I was 24. I started my own company then, I ended up selling it seven years later to Canada's largest retail chain of bags. So I, I love entrepreneurship and I, I'm gritty that way. So 
I started my own company, sold it seven years later, stayed home to be a mom for three years. I was feeling totally... So what happened was, is in the build of that company, probably year three, we were a Profit Hot 50 company, one of Canada's 50 emerging growth companies. I was the only female CEO on the list. Our company was thriving. I was a top 30 under 30 entrepreneur, but quietly... I was burning out. And I looked at my mom, of course, as a therapist, and she wouldn't treat me. She's like, Erica, there was something up. You know, I think you need a little help. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was agitated, frustrated. I was so consumed with growing my company. I had no kids at this time. And I just, um, I just was kind of heading in this bad place. And Sandra was a therapist who I met at the gym. Those were my non-negotiables. As an entrepreneur, I, I had a trainer twice a week and I met Sandra at the gym and she was a therapist and we started talking and I liked her. And I said, Sandra, you know, would you see me? She said, of course. So Sandra gave me the sort of aha moment, the pivotal moment to my life, which is, Erica, no one is telling you to throw water on your flame. You should continue to burn bright and do what you do well and do what you love. Instead, complement this life with like, however you're doing it there, just do it as far as self-care and make sure you're complementing this big, busy life with quiet moments of stillness and calmness and centering and regrouping. And so that was the birth for me of yoga and meditate. Well, yoga first. So Steve became my other non-negotiable. So Steve came to my house twice a week. He was a yoga and meditation teacher. One of my non-negotiables as an entrepreneur, as a young entrepreneur, and he would teach me the power of what would happen to my whole body when I would step onto my yoga mat, how I'd bring my, my blood pressure down, my breath, my baseline. And so I started growing into this, this I don't know. I I started living life of yoga off the mat as well as an entrepreneur. And I had always loved mentoring. So when I grew this business, I'd always mentored, you know, other women entrepreneurs. And then I sold my company, stayed home, ended up saying, okay, I've got the entrepreneurial itch again. It's back. What can I do? And that was the birth of my blog, womenonthefence.com, which is where that was going to be the documentation of me getting unstuck off the fence, figuring out what my chapter two would be, And then ended up building this really big community of women who were all trying to get off the fence too. And so from that, that kind of became the birth of that I was asked to audition to be the parenting lifestyle correspondent on Global News, wrote a book, started getting hired for speaking engagements, mentoring other women. And then probably nine years ago, um, was always mentoring women, loved the idea of helping other women get unstuck. And so I became a certified life coach. And then five years ago, got certified in yoga because I wanted to marry my work of women's minds with their bodies. And three years ago, got certified in meditation. And so I've been able to build this mind-body, brain-body sort of connection in the self-care realm. And that in COVID manifested into this incredible, beautiful course and program called Busy to Bliss. And that is where I help women around the world go from busy and overwhelmed and you know, frazzled, on the brink of burnout to living in abundance and this blissful life. And I have a four-step method that I do that with. And it's a beautiful, robust eight-week course. And that is complemented by meeting with me where I coach these amazing women every two weeks. And so that's my life's mission is to help busy women avoid burnout so they can reclaim their time, energy, and joy. And they can wake up and feel like they're the boss of their own day and they are living in purpose and passion. It's no small feat. It's a journey, but we can all get there. And I I really believe that community support is so important. I really believe that to go it alone is hard. So I think that that's why community is such an important part of what I do. And sometimes I kind of like fudge it. I don't do it the way a typical maybe coach does it which is where I will ask, I'm like, Sandra, what do you think about what Jen just said? (laughs) And it becomes this whole, and because my spaces are safe, it becomes this love fest of encouragement, of personal responsibility, and, and of joy. Yeah, what I hear is this massive circle of connection. Yeah. That you're not like the sage on this stage you're you're trying to link each other so i think in a lot of coach communities or guru or expert communities it's a hub and spoke model where everyone's connected to the guru but they're not connected to each other totally totally and i agree even when i was blogging in the early days i was always i felt like i'm like the commoner i'm part of the group i'm with everyone yes i have all the certifications to back up what i'm doing but i'm a human being first. And so it bothers me. I felt that there were so many experts out there living out of alignment. So like they teach one thing, but they're another way behind the scenes. 
Oh, yeah. And I am who I am. I'm human. I'm not perfect. I think I'm excellent at what I do, but I'm still, you know, I still make mistakes. And so I still wake up. I still have shitty days. Like I'm a real person. And so I think that bridges a gap that creates a connection with the people who come, you know, to work with me. And I think it creates a space of safety. I love it. So when women come to you and they use the word burnout, how do they describe that? So I just want to say I'm a certified life coach. I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So if the burnout is debilitating, if they are not able to go to, you know, to work or to their job, they don't call me. I like my group is I get people who are kind of working themselves to the bone and get to me to course correct. If someone is full-blown burnout, of course there's no shame, they need to speak to their doctor and move from there. So, and that, I just want to clarify, is the difference between psychologists, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, you know, they look back to understand why you are the way you are, right? To say, okay, this is why, as a life coach, my job is to look at where you are now, see where you want to be, and help you pave the road through while being your, you know, coach and cheerleader and help you get to your goals. So, as a result, our group is goal-driven and, you know, moving you towards where you want to manifest, it's not so much I talk about burnout. I give more strategies if you're feeling overwhelmed in your days, tired, procrastination tips. A lot of us feel burnt out because we're we're doing things, you know, we're engaging in habits like procrastination, you know, like not exercising, like eating like crap. So do you see how it's more of a, we work more towards to help the habits that are holding them back? Totally. So in the spirit of Kintsugi, a lot of that behavior, the I would call it the upstream behaviors of procrastination, as you mentioned, uh, putting way too much on our to-do list, believing we have to do more to be more. We're coming from a mindset of lack or I'm not enough, trying to to pull from the movie Jerry Maguire. We try to meet someone who completes us. We really love the movie, hate the line because we're already complete, right? So we have all this, some would say programming or attitudes or mindset that we maybe grew up with, that we bring into adulthood. And we're always chasing it. Like we we never feel like we're, we never catch it. We're never there. And so if we wake up every morning believing we're already behind, then by the end of the day, it can feel overwhelming. So we, we numb the pain with a few more glasses of wine and whatever, and we numb it out. And then we wake up the next day and, and do it all over again. And nothing changes. So what I hear from you is like, let's talk about strategies and tactics to, if you feel like you've cracked or maybe been broken, again, in the spirit of Kintsugi, let's talk about the Yurishi, the lacquer that can put you back together in a more beautiful state. And sort of really embrace the, the one thing I love to do is embrace our scars, right? So some of them are emotional, some are physical, but they tell a beautiful story about what we've been through. Oh, of course. There are warrior scars, you know? Yeah. And how we can come back in a, a much more beautiful form. So no, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, let's work on some of these ways of living so you can step into the spirit of your kintsugi. I believe that we move through, so you said, how do you, if you're, you know, encroaching this, this burnout or feeling, how do you turn it around? So I believe in what I teach is a four-step method. And we start first with my women, as you said, it's mostly, it's my, my coaching program is for women. So let's say women, I start with mindset because I don't believe we can change our lives. So nothing, I, I'm, I don't even say, not even looking at how you're eating, moving, managing stress, mindset. Things like gratitude, working from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, looking at things like our limiting beliefs, right? Like, I'll never get this done. I'm going to be fired at any moment from this job. Just looking at our limiting beliefs and doing exercises like thought challenging. So challenging the thought. A lot of the negative automatic thoughts that we have are not even true. They're not even fact-based. So let's go ahead and challenge those thoughts. So My first step is mindset. You can't begin to change your life if you are functioning from a scarcity mindset. So first, we change the mindset. Then we change the body. So step two, energy and well-being. That's looking at the five pillars of self-care that I teach. What you eat, how you sleep, how you move, how you manage stress, how you connect socially. I'll say it again. What you eat, how you sleep, how you move, how you manage stress, how you connect socially. 
stress, burnout, acute stress versus chronic stress. Acute stress, we're very nervous for the presentation. We want to get the job offer. Chronic stress, that's the one that are the beautiful manifestors of burnout. So chronic stress, it's the grind. It's the over and over of not taking care of ourselves. And and that's what leads us into burnout. So first the mind, then the body. Step two, that's all of the things that you and I talk about. Breath work, breathing, eating, sleeping, all that stuff. Step three, time management. So first we work on the mind, then the body. Then we can time manage like a boss and reclaim our days. So that's where I share all the time management strategies, all the hacks, all the tricks, all the ways to shuffle around your days, trim the fat, be operating in your zone of genius. And then the last step, step four, is transformation. And that's where where we've learned everything. How do we make the habit stick? So 21 days to form a new habit, 66 days up to six months for it to start to become more automatic. How do we create the cue that creates the trigger that makes us wake up and exercise, stick with the program, stick to the routine, do the things that are serving us? How do we make these long-term habits stick? So to me, how does it work? I take you through those four steps and that's how you end up on the other side. I love it. The four cornerstones of a solid foundation. Yeah, for sure. To living an abundant life. Absolutely. And holistic in nature. So I would love to invite you to make the best pitch forward for yoga. And I know you, again, we've talked about this, you work mainly with women, but maybe in your answer, you can also speak to any guys who happen to be listening. Oh, I teach men yoga too. I teach men yoga as well. Yeah. So I think a lot of men can view yoga as like, well, that's a that's a female thing. Or I'm so tight, I can't do yoga. Yeah, because most of the poses on Instagram are, you know, very um, thin women in pretzel positions. Yep, yep. So tell us a little bit about yoga and what it is and what it can do to really bring alignment. Because what you, you're sharing in the four steps, the four cornerstones is living a aligned life. And I see yoga as a practice of alignment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yoga, like I said, I live the yoga life off the yoga mat. And that's what I, so that's what I mean. When you step onto a yoga mat, and again, five minutes, this is about, and sometimes oh, there's so much to say. I don't want to bore you. But like in yoga teacher training, we are taught to come to your yoga mat with no shame, no blame, you know, we are to come open with no judgment. So we are not to judge ourselves in how we are today. So we're not to judge ourselves in how we are in our practice. And whenever I guide something new, so for example, I just led a bunch of bankers last week at RBC, Royal Bank of Canada. I'm from Canada, as you know. And so I am guiding about, you know, 30 bankers (laughs) who got out of their suits and on the mat. So I told them, I said, you're here for yoga today. And I'm going to guide you through a de-stressing flow. So I explain to them, I show them if something feels difficult or challenging, they can come into child's pose. And I show them child's pose or downward dog. I tell them, or you can just sit down, or I'm perfectly so happy if you lie on your mat on your side in a fetal position and close your eyes for the next hour. That's yoga too. (laughs) They looked at me and they laughed. I said, if you're tired and you decide you want to do 10 minutes of this and the next, the last 50 minutes you want to lie down, don't judge yourself honor your body where it's at, meet yourself where you're at. And so I don't teach yoga with people standing on their heads. I don't even teach headstands in my class, to be honest. That's not what I try to do. The yoga that I'm obsessed with is helping people feel incredible, feel strong in body, soft in heart, strong in mind. And so my my flows are empowering. We work and we rest and if you stick with it, you'll feel the benefits of how you feel during the day. You'll see your body look better because everything about yoga is from the core. There's a reason why yoga bodies or yogi bodies are so beautiful. It's because everything we do stems from our core. And then you begin to feel just better in your days. Your body will start to look better. That's a secondary thing. Your mind will feel stronger. When you're in traffic and your kid says this, you will want to fly off the handle. Like yoga's everything. Yoga and breathing and breathwork is just, it's everything. And so that was even my Busy to Bliss course, the two things that people said. They're like, wow. And that's what I, that's what we have on our page, which is I'm not an advanced, you know, or an intermediate yoga student. Will I like this course? So I say, I am a yoga meditation teacher. There is no previous experience required. 
So my goal is to open you up to a five-minute stretch or flow. See how you feel. If you like how you feel, move to 10 minutes. I'm not a person of extremes. I am a person who lives balanced and in the middle. So that's not my method. I don't teach anything extreme. I teach you to listen to the little whispers of when you're starting to not feel good. I teach you how to course correct. And then I teach you how to wake up and want to be and want to wake up, want to feel excited to wake up. That's a good answer. And I'm going to check you on, like you said, I don't want to bore you. That would be impossible. So <laughs> I might check those words. So out of curiosity of those bankers, what percentage of them had a yoga practice? All of them did, because I think I know my group. I know, I see, I tune in. So I know if something, I know when I tell people to be in downward dog and give them the choice to go into child's pose, <laughs> everyone goes into child's pose. Okay, cool. I know that I'm dealing with people who are tired. And so I build it. I, it's always a dance and a relationship with my students. Always meet them where they're at. I will always meet anyone where they are at. So they had, they came to you with like that openness of like being open to the, to the practice of yoga before you did that. I asked them to just trust me. And I said, I know it's, it's a hard ask, but I think we'll build a relationship over the next hour where slowly you will allow yourself to trust me and know that I'm trustworthy on a yoga mat. I love what you're saying too about bringing your practice off the mat as you might know that's my whole notion with mindfulness, like bring your practice off the cushion because I know you know, I know I know a whole bunch of people that have a transactional practice. They check the box, they get their little badge from their app, and they don't bring it into their days. And that's the benefit of breathwork, mindfulness, and yoga. And just really just having that strong foundation that you teach is that when we have those moments where the unexpected happens, we can be more thoughtful in our response. It slows the game down so we don't react in such a way. And then a lot of times we say or do something that we later regret. And then we go down a spiral and there's a whole self-talk and a whole thing like that. So I love the approach. And yeah, I think yoga can be wonderful. You can just have five or six different poses that you just rotate. You don't have to do anything really cray-cray to make the practice work for you. All right, let's take a break. Take a full breath in and a slow releasing breath out and relax the body as you soak up our conversation. Ah, I hope that felt good. Okay, now that we're a little bit more relaxed, can we be real? I think our morning routines, well, they've gotten a little out of control. You might not have time in the morning to meditate because you're busy doing other things like trying to get to work or getting the kids off to school. And this is where my app, Pause, Breathe, Reflect, comes in because I built it for busy people with a whole bunch of shorter practices. So if you don't have 10 minutes in the morning to meditate, cool beans. You're human after all. But I bet you have five times throughout the day when you have two minutes to practice and let go of stress and bring mindfulness to your everyday moments. So today, download Pause, Breathe, Reflect for free and begin to stress less sleep better, and join a community of like-hearted humans rippling something worth rippling into the world. All right, let's go back to our conversation and celebrate the Kintsugi within us all. All right, so I know you're also into essential oils. Yes, I am, my friend. My wife is a childbirth doula. So she's used essential oils. Oh my God, I got to get her some. She will love these. For birthing, she will need our stress-free blend. She will love that. It's a calming, relaxing, allow yourself to give birth blend. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. She had a birth, uh, actually, she's at a birth as we speak. So she 
has this knowledge of essential oils. And I came late to the party. And I was like, all right, what is this? Is it, you know, smells good. And and now they become part of my day. But I, admittedly, I probably act like someone who's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've always believed in this. So share more about essential oils as a way to like bring healing. It's like the whole concept of like Kintsugi, right? It's like we break and then we come back together, we heal. And so where do you see essential oils playing a role in that healing? So I've been an oils junkie for a good 10 to 15 years. I've always loved essential oils. And then in COVID, I saw that most of my clients, and in fact, people in the world were struggling with the same four pain points, low energy and focus during their days, total, you know, restless insomnia, trouble with sleeping at night, stress, very high stress and low immunity. And so I literally created the solution to all. I wanted to create the solution with to all four. I teach self-care. I wanted to bring a self-care product into the mix to be able to have people really take their self-care routines and practices to the next level. And so Bliss Essential is the collaboration of myself and the pioneer leading scientist and chemist and lab of essential oils for the past 40 years. So these are tested the highest quality, purest therapeutic grade essential oils. And we are an all blends company. So if you go to blissessential.co, you will not see, you know, lavender or peppermint. You will see blends specifically for pain points. You will see stress-free to decrease stress and enhance relaxation. You will see sleep easy. This lives on my nightstand. My diffuser is on my nightstand. I put it on for 30 minutes every night before bed. You know, in 20 seconds, it's in my olfactory system. And, you know, in 20 minutes, it's in my bloodstream. So sleep easy. Here's my diffuser in my office. I'm three. I have my energy blend that is good vibes. So that is instead of an afternoon cup of coffee, if you're feeling sluggish, I throw on my diffuser with my energizing blend. These are for your, you know, your kids in college when they're trying to study and they're feeling tired. Tell them not to drink a Red Bull. Tell them to diffuse essential oils, good vibes. And the last one is Immunity Army. And that is a natural, holistic cleaning solution for your countertops. You can put some in, you know, fractionated coconut oil and rub it on your chest when you're feeling sick. This is, you know, eucalyptus oil, tea tree oil, clove, cinnamon, orange. And so these are four powerful blends for four specific pain points. And they are changing lives. We're in, you know, the Four Seasons Spa. We've been on the doctors. We are online. We are launching on Amazon. So that is the beautiful company that is Bliss Essential. That's my new baby as of two years ago. Oh, that's so great. And congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah, I'm so proud of it. So a lot of your work is about helping people connect with themselves, again, in our Kintsugi spirit. So we sit on this interesting cusp worldwide when it comes to AI. And I would love to get your thoughts on how you see AI as it relates to our humanness, our wholeness. You know, I'm going to ask you this question now, and I could probably ask you this question a year from now, and you might provide a different answer. We we all might. But right now, how do you see that? So I will only share what I believe I know. I stay in my own lane. So this is what I think. I think it is going to be very helpful for, I think it'll be helpful to medicine. I think there'll be a lot of, I think it'll provide solutions to a lot of problems that'll get there quicker thanks to AI. However, I think the detriment of that, of course, like I look at my husband who he runs a factory, he is a factory. They'll be able to be AI programming, like he won't need a person to draw plans for a whole space. AI will be able to draw those plans. It's wonderful, but of course, I mean, it'll be taking jobs. There'll be lawyers are saying there'll be stockbrokers and lawyers. You won't need a stockbroker to invest. You'll have AI take all the, you know, all the data and be able to tell you, okay, invest in this stock. That's the rule of a stockbroker. There'll be AI that can write up contracts. My husband said, like, he said to me, he said, like, he had a job posting. So he's like, I got to write up this job description. I said, go on chat GPT. And he's like, you're joking. I said, please write a job posting for a foreman, blah, 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 blah. Well, no human being could have written up something that good. I mean, we have, we could have. So it's scary. It's wonderful. I believe there's value. I'm afraid it'll replace manpower for jobs, but I think we'll find ways to use humans. And like, I don't have a clear opinion because again, I like to stay in my lane. I see it doing a lot of good. I see it 
hurting a lot of, you know, you can write songs, you can write music. Like where will it take the artistry out of people? I have a lot of questions that I don't know. I know it's helpful to content creators. I mean, but again, it's taken away jobs of copywriters, writers, uh, where you need to have human injection and human of spirit. It can't just be a robot. We need heart in the pulse of what we're doing. So I don't really know. I think it'll help a lot of industries. I think it'll hurt jobs and some others, but I do believe it will be able to pivot and still find ways, of course, for ourselves to to operate amidst this whole AI landscape. Yeah, I think it's good not to know. You know, I think there's things that we know. There's things that we have an opportunity to unlearn as we get older Mm -hmm. and also hold space for not knowing or not figuring out just yet. And I, to your point, Erica, I think there's a lot of work and maybe content and writing in the arts where you need soul, you need hearts. Yes. I would even say you need a typo or two to turn it into, the Japanese also have another term called wabi-sabi, which is just appreciating the natural beauty of things. And I think, I think we need that. I also think all of this, much like the pandemic, was an invitation, or still is an invitation, the door's still open, for us to connect with our humanity, to connect with ourselves in the work that you do. And when we connect with ourselves, we can connect with each other. I think the world, or higher power, however you want to look at it, is asking us to step into this moment to connect and figure it out. And then once we connect what kind of relationship do we want to have with tech? And so we can be thoughtful about how we go forward. So um, I love your answer. Like I said, I really don't know. I don't claim to know. I, I What I think I know, I know. And I definitely don't know the long-term implications of AI. I can guess, but I mean, I don't know. That's cool. All right. So we're going to get you out on a couple other questions. So we already talked about a couple things that we believe are medicine. Mindfulness is medicine, as we mentioned. Uh, so there's music as medicine. So we did our little singing. So do you have a preferred way of moving? It might be yoga, but it might be something else because we believe that movement is medicine as well. So do I. So do I. And I have absolutely not one form of movement. This morning, my movement was on my yoga mat and this morning was yoga. I will do everything from high intensity to spinning. I own a bike here. I love walking. I, I mean, I'll do anything. I'll do any kind of movement. Weight, I do strength training, yoga, hit. I'll swim in the summer. I mean, I do, I, I love anyway, and I don't do anything anymore that's totally too extreme. I love how yoga, Pilates, bar, I'll do anything. I'll do anything that feels good on my body. And not for long. That's been my whole takeaway from COVID. I work out probably five, I call it five, whatever workout, but five to six days a week or five days a week I do something. And any of that is a mix of I'm 30 to 35 minutes. I don't even do much more than that. 40 minutes, whatever I do, walking, biking, yoga, Pilates, bar, hit, strength, (laughs) dance. I don't know. That's what feels good for me. That's how I feel good is I do something for 35 to anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes, usually five times a week. That's my sweet spot for feeling good, keeping my body healthy, keeping my mind healthy. I mean, that's kind of what we know. So, you know, Harvard Medical School and the Mayo Clinic kind of say we should be moving our bodies in 20 to 30 minutes a day of intermediate or moderate physical activity or about 150 minutes per week is as a kind of guideline of movement. And so that's, that's what feels good for me. That's perfect. No, I think we have to have movement where we get a little breathy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love biking and I love, but I, that's why I mix it up. Strength train is I do low impact, but I'll do weights where my heart is pumping out of my chest, but I'm not doing jumping jacks, but I'll feel it in my heart. When we go too intense for too many days in a row, especially if we're not like a professional athlete, that is a recipe for the body to say, whoa, we're going to hit pause. And really you mentioned this earlier. It's so essential for us to listen to our bodies because they whisper to us before they really start to scream at us. So, Oh, yes. I say that all the time. I always say, Michael, if your body could talk to you, what would it say? What would it say? <laughs> yeah. Would it say you need a day off? You need to sleep? You need to break up your habit with booze? Would it say, like, what would your body say if it could talk to you? Yeah. So the body also recommends things to eat. So we believe food is medicine as well. Or poison. (laughs) Or poison, yeah, too often. So what's your go-to? Do you have a a favorite thing to eat? My sense is 
it's probably whatever is in season, but is there like that food, that drink that's like, uh, it feels just like love to yourself when you consume it? So I'm going to, I'm going to answer is maybe something with a little bit different. So of course I usually have my morning staple. I always make like a nice smoothie generally in the morning lunch. So I'm a hungry person. I'm a hungry person. So I can't just have a salad and feel satiated. I, I generally try and throw in kind of like a protein, a starch and a veggie to every meal. So I need the nice sweet potato with my chicken for lunch and my vegetable. If I have a chicken salad, I'm generally hungry. <laughs> but here's my thing. This is what I think. So, And I shared this last week. My mother-in-law had us over for Friday night dinner, and she made two of my favorite Jewish dishes, which are, it's called kugel, and it's all noodles and bread and oil and whatever. And it's called kush and bow ties, which is more grease and olive oil. It's like a bow tie noodle with barley. And she makes it so good. So the next day for lunch, she's like, I made it for you. Take it home. I know you love. So for lunch the next day, I had four pieces of kugel in a plate with kush and bow ties. So there, there was no like protein or vegetable or anything on my plate. And I, this is what I wrote on Instagram. I wrote, my body sees this food as warm, comfort, loving food. And I know that's not what maybe you see it as, but I think that it's how we talk to ourselves. That's how the food will be absorbed in our body. So if we shame ourselves, like to me, she made that with a lot of love. You may say, Erica, you sound way too woo-woo. This sounds so weird and bizarre. No, you're eating oily, artery-clogging food. That food is shit for you. It's not good for you. I eat healthy almost all of the time. So to me, that's love. And to me, that food doesn't stick to my bum or my thighs. To me, that goes in with healing love. Totally. Right? So like if I made chicken schnitzel and it's fried in my fryer, but I made every ingredient and I made it from scratch and I rolled it in the breadcrumbs and I put beautiful basil or spices or rosemary and gave it flavor and I put it in a good oil, like, you know, not a, a seed oil. And I made it and I made it with love from scratch. Like to me, my body doesn't see that as an unhealthy fried food. And I know it's crazy. I'm not eating chicken schnitzel every day of my life. So that's how I've lived my life. I need a lot of food. So I'll have, you know, my chicken with my mashed potatoes and my salad and my soup and a beautiful shake in the morning with maybe an egg and dinner's you know, usually something healthy and hearty. I eat everything. And I, my kids have watched a woman not ever step on a scale. I don't feel conscious about my weight. I feel conscious about how I feel. I'm always mindful to eat foods that serve me. Lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, lean protein, healthy meats. I eat steak. I eat hamburgers. I don't eat red meat often. I eat red meat about twice a month because I love how I feel when I have a good steak. Like I really am, I practice intuitive eating. I really do. I give myself McDonald's a few times a year because I love it. It's my favorite cheat meal and I show it. So what is it? Quarter pounder trio with a Diet Coke. I live for this meal. <laughs> it's so bad. I will say like a Diet Coke does taste differently at McDonald's. Oh, right? With the ice? I don't know. There's <laughs> something, because I'm a big believer, like I am a ice fanatic. Okay. But I want the right ice. You know, it's like that's, slushy ice that you can chew. When you pour anything over that ice, it always tastes better. Yeah. I just try and live in the middle. I just try and live in the middle. I try and be good most of the time, bad some of the time. I don't know, have a healthy relationship with myself, with the food that I eat, with the habits that I create. I cut myself slack if I've fallen off the wagon and I got to get back on. I practice grace and compassion, teach my clients to do the same. Life's tough. Life is tough. We can all give ourselves a little grace. I'll tell you really, at least I think it's a funny Google story. So we went, when we lived in DC, we went over to others in the synagogue for a Shabbat and they made Kugel. For me, it was the first time I had Kugel. Like I grew up a Catholic boy, you know, Irish Catholic kid. And so we go over and we have Kugel. And that night, my appendix flares up. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I'm rushed to the hospital. No, no. And to this day, I don't believe there's correlation and causation. So I don't believe that it caused I really hope it wouldn't have. <laughs> it's it's our little family joke. The first time I had Kugel, I had appendicitis. So, But to your point, I think this needs to be underscored. When you have food that's made 
with love and care. I think it it sits with us differently. It's metabolized differently. Me too. Then like getting some package thing that looks like from the label it's healthy, but it's not not made with love. It's not made with care. So yeah, when my wife makes challah, you know, so you could look at it, the anti-carb people will break out an allergic reaction. She made it from scratch with love and your body loves that. Again, it's another way of connecting with the person who made it. You connect with yourself. You connect with all the senses. You know, it's a totally different experience. And too often we're just rushing around trying to shove stuff down our throats. And I do that too. You know, there's times where I'm in a rush. But when you think about things that you do that are trustworthy each day, what we feed ourselves is one of the most trustworthy things that we do. So let's put some goodness into our bodies. All right, here's the last question. There's a show that I'm not sure if it's on the air anymore, but it was very popular years ago down here in the States called Inside the Actor's Studio. Yes. Oh my God, so many great people. have So many great people. And like Robin Williams' skit in one of the interviews is like priceless. It will make you laugh so hard you cry. And I believe we should have moments where we laugh so hard. So you know the show. So you know that James would ask the celebrities a series of questions at the end. So I like to ask this question. Assuming that God in heaven exists, what do you want them to say to you when you make it to heaven? Mm, Just want it to be a welcoming place. Just say, come on in. (laughs) Come on in. We got a warm meal waiting for you. You got your family and friends back there behind me, and you're going to be happy here. (laughs) Cool. Good brisket and some kugel. Good brisket and some kugel would help. Awesome. Thanks (laughs) for joining, Erica. This was awesome. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's been wonderful. Yeah, I love love you and love the ripple that you're putting into the world. The world needs your energy, so keep rippling your goodness. Same to you. Keep pausing, breathing, and reflecting. Come on, how cool is Erica? Don't you just love her approach to life and her energy? As you know, I often talk about who's in your Peloton. A Peloton being a group of cyclists in a bike race. Think the Tour de France. In essence, who are you riding with in life? And are they bringing out the best in you? And are you bringing out the best in them? And Erica is definitely someone to have in your Peloton. I just love her energy. And I'll share all the different ways you can connect with her in the show notes. You might recall that during our conversation, Erica shared her four steps or the four pillars to a great foundation. And the first one was about mindset. And she referenced the practice of gratitude. And as you might know, here on Kintsugi, we love to drop in to a short meditation. It's only two minutes based on what our guest has shared with us this week. So let's do just that. We'll practice gratitude. So when you're ready, settle into a comfortable position. You might bring a sense of dignity to your posture. And you can close your eyes or you may wish to keep them open. And we'll drop in. And we'll begin with a few healthy inhales and nice, slow, releasing exhales. Allowing yourself to come into the moment. Perhaps appreciating what Erica just shared with you. And as we think about gratitude and the importance of connection, I invite you to bring to mind someone you're grateful for at this moment. 
You might wish to visualize that they're sitting across from you or next to you. And in this moment, share with them what you appreciate most about them. Visualizing that you're making this connection as you practice gratitude. Knowing that this person brings out the best in you. All right. Nice job. That was easy. A simple two-minute practice to express some gratitude. And you can find other practices like this on my app, the Pause, Breathe, Reflect app. I want to thank Erica again for bringing her energy into our circle. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the like-hearted humans at SASPod that make the Kintsuki podcast sound so great and help it ripple into all corners of this big blue marble that we all share. And now, I want to thank you for listening and supporting the Kintsuki podcast. And if you want to go above and beyond in your support, I could certainly use a kind rating, a review, subscribing or sharing because it does something to the algorithm that I don't completely understand. But when you engage in this way, it helps others find our like-hearted community. If you've already done so, thank you for the extra support. And if you haven't done so yet, today might be a really good day to do so. And if you'd like to receive some additional resources, that can help you connect with yourself and others, like my Better Life Workbook and the inspirational text messages I send throughout the week. And of course, our Pause, Breathe, Reflect meditation app. I'll put those links in our show notes. And remember, between now and next week's story of connection, when you have a challenging moment, slow down, come back to your breath, know that you've got this and we've got you and together we will ripple something worth rippling into the world i love you for listening and i hope to see you next week until then toodaloo